0: Thank oh. you. Hey guys, welcome back and thanks for joining me. I'm your host Sherry and you are joining me here on the dark side. I apologize if I sound a little funny, I'm getting over a cold. This story takes place in New Zealand. You guys have me so nervous that I'm going to mispronounce a city name. For some reason people go crazy when a podcast host says a word incorrectly. So I had to enlist the help of my dear friend Ash who was from New Zealand to help me out with some of these city names. They reviewed them and approved, but my strong American accent isn't doing me any favors right now, so if I'm off on a word, I apologize to my Kiwi listeners. I love you guys and I love your country. Today's story is about a young lady who had recently graduated college and was taking a gap year to travel. She explored various countries and planned a two week stay in New Zealand. But things didn't work out that way. Grace would never make it home from her trip. This is episode 88, The Murder of Grace Mullane. This story takes place in 2018. I have not covered any cases from 2018 that I can remember, and I have a good reason for it, which I don't mind sharing with you all. For me personally, 2018 was the last year that I had a normal life. My son graduated high school in 2018. It was a wonderful year, and just three months into 2019, we lost him. My world became very dark, and it still is. I know it sounds cliche, but part of me really did die that day as well. My world as I knew it would never be the same. So 2018 holds a special place in my heart that I keep locked away. Anyway, this case fascinated me, and I couldn't wait to tell you all about it. Then I realized it took place in 2018, and I was like, well, shit. But I decided to proceed with it anyway. That's the reason I've avoided cases from that year. Let's talk about what was going on in the world in 2018. The Golden State Killer was apprehended after 32 years on the run. There was the royal wedding between Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. There was the birth of the Me Too movement, which compelled women to come forward with their stories. There was the deaths of Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain, and unfortunately both were suicides. And finally, some good news. India decriminalized homosexuality. New York and Virginia became the first states to require mental health education in schools. And for the first time in history, a city in Georgia had its entire criminal justice system led by black women. Grace Mullane was born December 2nd 1996. She is from Wickford, Essex. Her parents are David and Jillian and she has two brothers named Michael and Declan. Her father David owns his own construction company so the family was very well off like multi-millionaires. Her grandfather was once the mayor of their area and the family is well known and well liked by their community. These were good people. Grace is known for having a big smile and being such a kind soul. If you look at pictures of her, she's smiling in most of them. Grace also had a lot of hair and recently had donated a huge chunk of it to a childhood cancer charity. It would be used to make wigs for children who lost their hair due to chemotherapy. Grace recently graduated from the University of Lincoln. She earned her bachelor's degree in advertising and marketing. Now, it's common, especially for British college kids like Grace, to take a gap year after college or even after high school. It's basically a year with no school where you travel or intern somewhere. It's like one last hurrah before you go back to school or enter the workforce. Grace is brave because she's just going to backpack around for a whole year solo. She stays in various hostels and hotels and just has a blast and learns about herself and what she wants out of life. Grace posted on her Facebook, see you England, and a photo of Bilbo Baggins that said, I'm going on an adventure. For six weeks, she traveled through South America. She visited Peru and Chile, and it was cool for her because her mother once visited the same places. She was chatting every day with her parents and brothers. She sent them photos each day. Her parents are worried out of their minds knowing she's traveling alone, but Grace is a smart girl and she can handle herself well. On November 20th, 2018, Grace arrives in Auckland, New Zealand. Auckland is the big city. Auckland, as well as the rest of New Zealand, prides itself on having very little crime. It is called the second safest country in the world. I don't know what the first one is, but I probably should have looked that up. The crime rates are so low. In fact, most crimes are just burglary. People from New Zealand are known to be very nice folks so grace is in auckland new zealand now she's ready to enjoy two weeks here she visits the northernmost tip of the country and sends her family photos of when she met up with some friends in the area 10 days later she returns alone to auckland she checks into a hostel a hostel is basically a hotel but you share a dorm with other people who are traveling as well this one has four bedrooms and there were three other travelers occupying the other rooms my dad stayed in a few of them when he traveled out of the country and they're much cheaper than actual hotel rooms grace decides that she's going to fire up her tinder app and look for someone local whether she's looking for a long-term boyfriend in new zealand or just someone to hook up with while she's in the area we don't know and it's not for us to decide But, for whatever reason, she does a search for someone local that she would match with. She matches with a man named Jesse Kempson, and they agree to meet up later that day. At 5.37 p.m., this is December 1st, 2018, Grace takes a photo of the big Christmas tree at the city square, and she sends it to her family. She's ready to go on her date, and this would be the last message they would receive from her. For the next three hours, Grace and her new date, Jesse, hop around to bars and have dinner. Grace messages one of her friends on Facebook and says, I'm on a date with a guy who's the manager of an oil company. She also said she clicked with him really well and would message her again tomorrow, letting her know how the rest of the date went. So obviously, it's going very well on this first date. They go to a Mexican restaurant and order more drinks. We see on surveillance, Grace and Jesse kissing and making out in their seats. At one point, Grace gets up to go to the bathroom and leaves her purse on the seat. We see Jesse pick it up and rifle through it before putting it back on the chair before she comes out grace agrees to go back with him to his apartment now the place that jesse lives i say it's an apartment but it's like a hotel apartment basically it's a small apartment but it's serviced every day and they bring you towels and shit and it's considered a four-star hotel with heated pools and a gym and so on it's called city life hotel it's a fortune to live in if you're using it as your short-term home like jesse was the hotel is within walking distance from the bar they were at, so at 9.40 p.m., they cross the freeway and head into the hotel to Jesse's room. This would be the last time Grace would be seen alive. We know she's alive because of the surveillance footage of them walking in together with Jesse's arm around her and Grace's smiling ear to ear. They head up the elevator to Jesse's room, room 308. The next day, December 2nd, was a big day because it is Grace's 22nd birthday. Her family sends multiple messages to her wishing her a happy birthday, but strangely, they go unanswered. Maybe it's the time difference, maybe Grace had partied hard the night before and she's sleeping in late, but for whatever reason, she is not responding. As the day goes on, her family continues to call and text but Grace isn't responding. Now, up until today, Grace was sending them multiple messages a day. Every day it was a new picture of wherever she was that day, or she would call and chat for a few minutes. So for her not to respond is completely out of character. They're thinking worst case scenario is that she lost her phone somewhere and is having trouble finding a store to get a new one. Either way, their daughter is 11,000 miles, or 18,000 kilometers, from them, and they can't reach her. Plus, it's her birthday. As well, Grace knows no one. She doesn't have any friends there or anyone that she knows. Three days later, which is December 5th, her family filed a missing persons report with New Zealand police. The police take this very seriously and begin an investigation immediately. Luckily, there is so much surveillance footage they can basically piece together Grace's entire night until she went upstairs with Jesse to his hotel room. I mean, you can see the moment they met at City Square and you can see her taking out, a fo- taking out her phone and taking a picture of the Christmas tree and then texting it to her family. They can see every bar the couple went to and when they're inside sitting down. They don't know who this mysterious man is though that's with her. The police go to Grace's Facebook page and click on her profile picture. They see that the photo is a few days old, but there's a recent comment on it from a man named Jesse Kempson. He says, beautiful, very radiant. The guy in the profile picture looks very similar to the guy in the surveillance video. They figure out who he is and bring him in for questioning, They learned he was living at the City Life Hotel. He's dressed like a chauffeur or a butler. He's wearing like a dress shirt and with a silk vest and dress pants. A little background on Jesse Kempson. He is originally from New Zealand. He is 26 years old. His parents divorced when he was a young child. He lived with his father and stepmom, and his mom moved overseas. He lived in Australia for a bit, which is pretty close to New Zealand. At this point in his life, at 26 years old, he was bouncing around between apartments in Auckland. He often posted on Facebook that he was looking for roommates. Some former roommates of Jesse said he was nice and loved to talk, but sometimes his stories didn't make sense. If you questioned him about them, he would become defensive and almost aggressive. But Jesse is here now at the police station, and he's going to have to answer some tough questions. He looks nervous, and he keeps drinking water. They ask him about Grace. He says that they matched on Tinder and decided to meet up for a date. They hung out, they went to Sky City, and then they went their separate ways. He said he walked this way, she walked that way, the end, case closed. The police know that he's lying. They ask him for a DNA sample, which he does consent to. They can't hold Jesse any longer without evidence, so they are forced to release him. On December 7th, this is five days that Grace has been missing. The police hold a press conference. Everyone wants to know about this missing tourist. This is huge news for New Zealand since stuff like this doesn't usually happen there. Grace's father, David, flies out and he is in Auckland now to assist with the search. Grace's mother, Jillian, couldn't attend as she was battling breast cancer at home in England. The police tell the media that British tourist Grace Mullane is missing. Her father pleads with folks to come forward if they saw Grace that night. Anything, no matter how small, is helpful. He says, Grace is a lovely, outgoing, fun-loving, family-oriented daughter. Grace has never been out of contact for this amount of time and is usually in daily contact with either her mother, myself, or her two brothers. We are all extremely upset and it is very difficult at this time to fully describe the range of emotions we are all going through. Within a day or two, police pick up Jesse while he is shopping and bring him back in for questioning. This time, he asks for a lawyer and says he's going to explain what happened that night. They had searched his hotel room and used luminol to see if there was any residue of blood and sure enough, it lit up like Christmas lights. So they know this is likely a murder scene and Grace is no longer alive. Jesse says Grace is dead and he will show them where she is buried. But he wants to make it clear that he did not murder her. He says they came back to his hotel apartment at City Life. She began talking about the movie Fifty Shades of Grey and asked him to be rough with her. She is basically requesting BDSM sex. He says she asked him to hold her throat tightly. The last thing he remembers was them having violent sex, and then he fell asleep in the shower. He woke up and sees that she is deceased on the floor, and she has blood coming out of her nose. So he disposed of the body. We'll get into what really happened shortly. At this point, though, Jesse is arrested for the murder of Grace. The police go out to where Jesse says he buried Grace's body. Her body was in a shallow grave off of a scenic drive in West Auckland. They find a suitcase that was purchased by Jesse. Her remains were inside. A pathologist arrives and her body was taken inside the suitcase to the morgue. Her body was placed in a freezer overnight and an examination would take place the next morning. Dr. Simon Stables opens the suitcase and said there was a female's body packed very tightly in the suitcase. She was in a fetal position. She had long hair and her eyes were closed. She had black nail polish on her toenails. They take her out and lay her across the exam table. She was completely nude and wearing gold hoop earrings. The police hold a press conference and say Grace is no longer missing and that this is now a murder investigation. One thing it's important to mention, and I had no idea about this, New Zealand is way different from here in the United States. So they have this law and it's about name suppression. Basically, if you are a suspect in a crime, your name and photo will not be released publicly until you are tried for the crime and found guilty. This protects you if you're innocent. Names do get leaked out illegally, which is what happened in this case, but news stations cannot name you as a suspect and put your picture out there. This is the reason why, if you Google Jesse Kempson, half of the photos have him blurred out. As a side note, New Zealand also has this principle called open law. Your trial is open to the public and anyone can attend. The Prime Minister of New Zealand, Jacinda Ardern, issues a formal apology to Grace's family. Watching this press conference made me tear up because it was different than most government leaders' dry speeches. It wasn't something off of a teleprompter written by five other people. She seemed genuinely caring and still felt deep pride for her country. She was praised for everything she said, no matter if you like the woman or not. She truly seems compassionate about this matter. She said, quote, Firstly, I cannot imagine the grief of her family and what they are experiencing right now. All New Zealanders feel heartbreak for her family. My thoughts and prayers are with her father, David, who is in the country, and her mother, who cannot be here, and her wider family and friends and loved ones. She says New Zealand feels immense heartbreak for the family of grace. She also says there is this overwhelming sense of hurt and shame that this happened in our country, a place that prides itself on our hospitality, especially to those who are visiting our shores. On behalf of New Zealand, I want to apologize to Grace's family. Your daughter should have been safe here, and she wasn't, and I'm sorry for that. Grace's father released a statement. He said, Grace went off to travel the world in mid-October and arrived in New Zealand on the 20th of November. By the amount of pictures and messages we received, she clearly loved this country, its people, and the lifestyle. After the disappearance of Grace on December first, two 2018, our whole world turned upside down. I arrived in Auckland on Friday, 7th of December, followed by my brother Martin. From that very first moment, we have been astounded by the level of concern, sympathy, and selfless help from every person we have met. Auckland police have carried out the most concise, stringent, and thorough investigation. The team, consisting at times of over 24 officers, have worked long hours without a day off, little sleep, or rest in helping to resolve this heinous crime. The media and press have been superb in their coverage and reporting of the events surrounding Grace's tragic final days. They have not intruded into our life and have been respectful and courteous at all times. Gil, Michael, Declan, and myself would like to sincerely thank everybody involved and express our most profound gratitude. In this difficult situation where everybody is a true hero, it is sometimes difficult to single out certain people. Despite this, we would like to offer our most sincere thanks and everlasting gratitude to Detective Inspector Scott Beard, who has been a most measured, selfless human and professional face of Auckland Police. His emotional media statements have made him many fans, both in New Zealand and at home in the UK. Detective Senior Sergeant Greg Brand the hidden driving force of the investigation and a true police professional. We all hope that whatever has happened to Grace will not deter even one person from venturing out into the world. Martin and I had the privilege of attending the tradition Maori blessing of the site, which was a lovely and peaceful experience. Finally, we would like to thank the people of New Zealand for their outpouring of love, numerous messages, tributes, and compassion. Grace was not born here and only managed to stay a few weeks but you have taken her to your hearts and in some small way she will forever be a Kiwi. My brother Martin and I leave for the UK this weekend to take her home. Can I just say how amazing the folks of New Zealand are? Grace's body was eventually released to her father and was flown back to her home in England. There a large funeral took place with hundreds of mourners. Her brothers served as pallbearers, a beautiful wooden sign hung that read Amazing Grace. Let's get into the timeline of what really happened that night of December 1st, 2018. This is what the police found. Lots of this came from surveillance footage from the area. On December 1st, 2018, Grace matched with Jesse on Tinder and they agreed to meet up later that night. They have dinner, they have drinks at various bars, They go back to Jesse's hotel room on the third floor at 9.40 p.m. Jesse has his arm around her and she's holding his hand. The footage of them in the elevator or lift for my international listeners was the last time Grace was seen alive. What happens once they arrive in the hotel room, only two people know, and that's Grace and Jesse. But either way, two people went in alive and only one came out. Jesse says they had consensual violent sex and that he held his hands on her throat. But the prosecution would state that Jesse would have had to have had his hands on her throat for minutes before she would pass out. Then he would have had to held his hands on her throat while she was unconscious for several more minutes until she died. You can't consent to your own murder. We know Jesse would have had to have strangled her for seven to ten minutes total. Jesse says he wakes up and realizes Grace is dead and disposed of her body. But what we actually learn is that he got on his phone and he started doing some Google searches. He suddenly wanted to know in the middle of the night about where he could find large trash bags near him and cleaning products. He also wanted to know about the hill range that was 20 miles outside Auckland. He searched hottest fire, so he's looking for ways to dispose of her body. He searched rigor mortis. He also did a Google search wanting to know if vultures were in New Zealand, and he searched flesh-eating birds. He then took some photographs of Grace's nude body. Just to skip ahead a moment, the prosecutor in this case would argue that these photographs he took of Grace deceased and nude were his trophies. After taking photographs of Grace, he then opened his phone's browser and began watching hardcore pornography like rough degrading humiliating pornography his searches included defecation this is odd because he had just killed a woman and instead of being sad and crying or whatever he's watching hardcore porn at 7 51 a.m the morning after he killed grace just hours earlier he messages a woman on tinder that he had met and he had plans to meet up with later that day This is just to make sure that their date is still on for later that day. We learned Jesse then left the hotel and went to a store where he bought a suitcase to put Grace's body in. He would later purchase another of the same suitcase, but the other was a decoy so that when police asked him about the suitcase he bought, he could show them it's right up here in my hotel room. He also rented a carpet cleaner and carried it upstairs to his room. He packed Grace's corpse in the suitcase and put her in the trunk of his rental car and left her there for a bit. He says that during this time he tried to overdose on medication, whether that's true or not, I have no idea. He goes to a hardware store and he purchases a shovel, which is confirmed on surveillance video. And then he drives Grace's body out to a remote area west of Auckland and buries the suitcase in a shallow grave. He takes his rental car to a car wash and leaves the shovel in the car wash bay when he's done. This is like the world's dumbest criminal. He goes on his date later that afternoon with this other woman and she would state that this date was awkward. She said, first off, he is creepy as hell. This is their first date and they just met each other. And he's talking about how good men could get accused of crimes they didn't do. He said his friend back in Australia had been accused of killing a woman during rough sex. He says it's crazy how guys can make one wrong move and go to jail for the rest of their life. I think he really didn't have a friend back in Australia that was accused of killing the woman during rough sex. I think he was just using this pretend theory on her, maybe to see what she thinks about his defense and gauge her reaction. She was thinking, yeah, this guy's a nutcase. I'm not going anywhere else with him. When the date ended, she knew that he had parked next to her car, but he didn't know which car was hers. So they said goodbye and she told him her car was in a different area and walked in the opposite direction of her car. Doing that might have saved her life. If she had went out to her car and he's parked right next to her, he could have used that moment to kidnap her. During the trial, his defense argued that Jesse accidentally killed her during rough sex, and then he panicked and disposed of her body. They say this was just a tragic accident. The prosecution argued that victims cannot consent to murder. They believe Jesse killed Grace and was sexually aroused from it. He enjoyed it, and he got off on it. Since the prosecution was using this theory, the judge allowed Jesse's porn searches after the killing to be heard by the jury. Sexual gratification was the motive here. Grace's parents stayed in Auckland through this time for weeks during the trial. Grace's sexual history was on full public display for everyone in the courtroom, which is humiliating, Her parents didn't even know that she was using dating apps, but they said that's her business and kids don't have to tell their parents everything when they're adults. This whole time, Jesse Kempson has protection. Due to New Zealand's name suppression laws, his name and face have not been released to the public yet. Once his name was leaked, other women come forward claiming they were abused by Jesse Kempson. He had lied to them about his background, sometimes saying his mother was dead, sometimes she's alive. He, he says he makes millions of dollars a year, but currently involved in a lawsuit, so he's broke. All these different stories come out. We learned that eight months before Grace's murder, Jesse had a date with another woman he met on Tinder. Like Grace, she was a tourist from Britain. He took her back to his room. He was furious with her because he treated her like a princess on the date. Those are his words. And she wouldn't have sex with him. He ended up raping her brutally that night and forced her to perform sex acts on him. She kept quiet about the attack until she saw Jesse Kempson's face on TV and that he was on trial for murdering Grace Mullane. An ex-girlfriend also claimed that he was sexually abusive to her. The doctor who examined Grace said her body was found with more than a dozen bruises. He told the court the bruising on her neck wouldn't come from light pressure being applied, like what would happen during a sexual act, but more of an aggressive strangulation. There are people who die of autoerotic asphyxiation, but not from another partner, meaning people have strangled themselves with an object while engaging in autoerotic asphyxiation, but a partner would see them pass out and know it's time to stop. Jesse began strangling Grace during sex. After she passed out, he kept on strangling her for several more minutes until she died. He then watched porn and took photos of her nude body. He put her in a suitcase and he buried her and then he went on another date the next day. In November 2019, although Jesse had pled not guilty, he was found guilty of murdering Grace Millane. He was sentenced to life in prison and would be eligible for parole after 17 years when he'll be 44 years old. I can't speak on the New Zealand Court of Law since I'm not from there, but that's the sentence that they gave him. Jesse was sentenced to 11 years in prison for the crimes against the other women. He went through trials for them, too. But the 11 years doesn't mean much since it will be served concurrently with his sentence for Grace's murder. These weren't additional years tacked on his sentence. He's eligible for parole in 2036. Then he'll be able to ask for forgiveness, and the court will decide if he's able to go back to regular society or if he needs to stay in prison. For now, Jesse Kempson is incarcerated at Auckland Prison. He filed several appeals and lost each of them. This prison facility that he's held at isn't like the prisons here in the U.S. It is known to be more of a rehabilitation clinic. It was designed to provide more humane conditions and inmates have their own personal televisions and showers. They can also buy snacks and sodas. Jesse is in the high-profile area, which is reserved for harsher crimes. They don't want to put murderers with guys who are in there for child support but he still has access to all of these amenities. Remember me telling you that Grace's mother was sick with cancer? We learned that during this time, her 62-year-old father, who was a constant presence in the trial, a man who the world mourned with as he spoke of his beloved daughter on TV, well, he was suffering with cancer as well. He died in November of 2020. The Mullane family said in a statement, We are heartbroken by the loss of David. He will be deeply missed by his family, friends, and all those that knew him. In January of 2023, Grace's mother, Jillian, now fully recovered from breast cancer, set out to hike Mount Kilimanjaro to raise money for charity. While on top of the mountain, she left two memory stones, one for her daughter and one for her husband. The Mullane family have now set up a charity in her memory called Love Grace, where handbags and toiletries are collected for domestic abuse victims. This charity is active in the UK and also New Zealand. The Mullane family said they do not speak of Jesse or even mention his name, saying, To use his name shows we care and gives him the notoriety he seeks. Her family was pleased that New Zealand has this name suppression law because that way Grace's name was out there and not his, saying that it allowed people to remember Grace, a young, vibrant girl who set out to see the world, instead of the man who took her life. Rest in peace to Grace Mullane, whose life was cut short at the young age of only 22. Rest in peace also to her father David, who experienced so much pain in the two years before his death. That's it for this week, and I'll see you all again soon. Take care and much love to you all.